relax. Those beats mean you're now listening to the very real people in places that supply your high. This is Grown Local with Billy Wayne Davis and Mike McGowan. Merry uh, Christmas, Billy. Merry holidays. Yes, to holidays. everyone involved. Happy Whatever Kwanzaa. you choose to celebrate or don't celebrate, be merry about it. Just be merry as fuck. Even if you think, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas is a good Christmas movie or, you know, one of those movies, Merry Christmas, I guess. That is, I guess. Okay, this is, a fun, <laughs> this is a fun episode. This is a we have someone who was on the other side during camp days, which is the campaign against marijuana planting, and you've heard it. You've heard people talk about it a lot in very PTSD ways. They yes. talk about it a lot. Yeah. So we get someone who is. Who is currently a cannabis user uh, and was immediately a cannabis user got out. Uh, but it's just a great interview because he's it's an interesting perspective. He's not a bad dude. You like like want to hang out with him immediately. Uh, he's Redbeard's cousin, so that's just another not you, you know you're like a lot of pros in this. I'm telling you, this family, it, we could do an entire season just on Redbeard and his family. Yeah, we might. We might circle back and do that. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't know what to do with this one. I was very, I was, I was very perplexed going into this. It's like, how do you treat a dude when you've heard so many horror stories from a lot of our friends that we've already interviewed? And I was like, all right, should I be grinding this dude or whatnot? But like this dude is legitimately such a nice guy who is like, hey, this is like a good job. You know, I I wish they had made it legal and taxed it, but you know, I needed a job at the time. So yeah, I mean, he explains it. Don't ruin what he's doing. But he does explain it really well where he's not, I don't know, you understand his perspective and he doesn't come across as like a hateful person who, or like even a teetotaler kind of, you just kind of understand how you could end up, and he's from, he, you know, he spent his formative years in Humboldt. So like he's from Humboldt. So you kind of, especially with us spending the last couple months back and forth there and getting to know more Humboldt people, you could see where, like, for sure, somebody's like, hey, there's just jobs. And people are like, cool, I need a job. And they're like, well, this is what you do. And you're like, yeah, I'm already trained to do that. That's perfect. So it just makes sense. Like, all the steps to where he, how he got there also make sense to, as the same reason same way that the steps that all these other growers and stuff got there. Do you know what I mean? It's fascinating to me, this interview. Uh, I'm so glad we got a hold of it. You guys are really going to enjoy it. Um, and it's Christmas, you guys. We're putting out stuff on Christmas Day. You motherfuckers. This is a Christmas miracle. Merry Do Christmas. 
do the thing. Let's just get. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Tony Inojosa. vague as you want to also so uh just outside sacramento between sacramento and Folsom. oh okay. a little a little town orangevale yeah i've driven there through there a couple times um uh, but you just got back from from the triangle correct because we were trying to get a hold of you before and matt was I, like, so I, a, I can't get a, a hold friend, of him and i was like i know yeah. how this works <laughs> so a friend of mine has uh like 650 acres uh on the eel river valley and uh kind of out spyrock road backside and so uh she's allowing us to use five acres to homestead and so we're building a homestead there but i also she also has a pot garden like a couple thousand plants and so i was up there doing uh construction work and just general labor for Oh, that's amazing! And as soon as so yeah, said, I'm totally I'm totally on the other side now. <laughs> yes, and as soon as you said 650 acres on the Eel River, I was like, oh, that sounds like heaven. It, it is beautiful up there. I mean, yeah, we were just out by the Eel River area. That's where uh, some of the people we previously interviewed actually live out. And driving out there, we were like, this is fucking gorgeous. Like, so it just. Is. Hearing you talk about homesteading also out there is amazing to me because I'm like, man, it's kind of like, how can I say no? It's not a bad thing. (laughs) I'm with with Tony on this. Yeah, how can you say no? You're like, yeah, I'll be there. What time can we be there? (laughs) That's pretty much how it went. (laughs) So let's go back because I don't, I, I, we haven't introed you or let anybody really know what this episode is about. Uh, and we're so excited because all we've heard is the other side of this and we are. (laughs) And then Matt was like, Oh, my, uh, my cousin was, he was, he did, he did camp stuff out of the military. uh, Yeah. For three years. Wow. So let's, okay. Let's go from you were, what branch of the military were you in? I was in the army. I went okay. straight out of high school. I went in the army. I was in the 82nd. I went to the first Gulf War, um, got married, had kids, got out, moved back to McKinleyville. Yeah. Um, start, worked in a lumber mill. The whole reason I went in the army was not working a lumber mill. I, had <laughs> yeah. I went and worked at a lumber mill. And so, uh, I, but I was still in the National Guard. And I got deployed to Fort Drum with a bunch of people throughout the state. Uh, to support missions in Somalia, I think. And when I was there, I met a guy who was on the California National Guard counter drug team. And we were drinking and partying together all the time. He's like, Dude, <laughs> you want a job? What do you what do you do in the real world? I'm like, I work for my folks. And he's like, you want a job, carry a gun, travel, get travel pay all the time and go raid gardens. I'm like, kinda. <laughs> and so, so I went and interviewed and 
I got a job doing uh, counter drug operations in California from border to border. Now, <laughs> okay. So now, you know, you're from McKinley bill. How much of the <laughs> industry did you know about? Were you involved in previously? So I lived in McKinleyville for like five years before I left for the military. So 13 to 18, formative years. Um, and I was, I had probably smoked half my body weight by the time I graduated. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, man, that's like a, I, I'm not going to lie. You can't get and away so, from that. And that was no, my first high school party was a keg party and the only food was brownies and cookies. And so you would eat a cookie and you would get cotton mouth, you would drink a beer, you would get hungry, you went for a brownie and it was just all downhill from there. Oh, well, amazing. It does and so then, amazing. yeah, it was pretty awesome. So then you're so just, then I, you're so, so you ostensibly, you know, you've been around this your entire life and everything. And then when this dude gives you the opportunity, you're just like, well, I mean, I like travel pay that works out pretty well for me. <laughs> yeah. It was like full-time going back on active duty with like a, 50% raise because I would travel 200 days a year. It was fun. Wow. How old were you? Mm. Oh God, hold on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't prepped for that math. Um, I was in my thirties. Okay. Now, so you said that it was all across the state. So, like, how much of it was actually dealing with cannabis grows and how much of it was dealing with other nar narcotics stuff? Um, we did everything from clandestine border enforcement, um, looking for people pulling backpacks across the border with thermal goggles and, like, super secret stuff, um, all the way to... Uh, camp we did camp i did camp for three years specifically um and then any of the county and before camp happens they'll do reconnaissance and they'll ask for like manpower walking out in the woods and that's mostly what we did is we trained the cops how to walk in the woods and then help them during the season whoa now when you say train them to walk in the woods because of the fact that you grew up there was there some telltale signs that you knew of to be looking for some of the groves yeah were or? you like tommy lee jones character <laughs> <laughs> now um like, oh, been, well if this well, tree is faced this way that means they're growing <laughs> downwind um a little bit of that but i i was in the infantry when i was in the army and so i spent a lot of times walking out in the woods looking for stuff and so i was used to that work and then flying in a helicopter in the 90s water lines were on the surface it was really easy to they weren't making it hard <laughs> and so it, it was just you 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 fly in helicopters, you GPS stuff, you come back, you look for the water lines, and there you go, and you get on the ground, and you go find it. And you guys weren't really looking for people. You were just looking for the stuff, for the, the plants, right? In, in three years of camp specific, which is two months, uh, like August, September of each year, and this was the three years leading up to 215. So my last year was the year that 215 got passed. And so I didn't have to deal with any of the ramifications from that. 
Um, I got out right when that dipped in. So we were still doing it, that it was against the law across the board. Um, and so it was, a. Uh, it was just, I mean, God, it was like hide and go seek <laughs> is really what it was. But in three seasons, I, I, I was on three arrests. I mean, you're, you're flying in with a helicopter in the mountainous parts of Humboldt, Sonoma, Napa. They hear, they hear you coming. Yeah, they do. K-Mud I've been telling, out there. K-Mud is telling them. The radio <laughs> station's telling them, hey, there's helicopters and army pickup trucks in the area. And so we knew that we were completely only scratching the surface and fighting against the stream at every level. I mean, we that was part of the fun. So, like, then I, <laughs> I like that. Can I just? I'm sorry. I just I have a couple. It's just because I have friends that, like in military. I have friends that are policemen. I have friends that. So I understand like every like angle, and that's how my dad has taught me to think too. My whole life is like you have to understand all walks of life. So, like, that's what I always thought, too, was, like, as far as military goes, like, if I was in the mil, if I was forced to be in the military, I would just be, like, can I go hunt them plants? That sounds kind of safe. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't get, it was, the, the Middle East was heating up. I'd already been to the first yeah, it is. The Middle East was going crazy, and I had a job that let me work full-time, and paid me to carry a, a, a 45 concealed, paid my travel bills everywhere I went, and I could not get deployed out of the country unless we went back to war and they were run out of people. So, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> and, I mean, driving through that area of the state is absolutely amazing. So I can't even fathom what it would be like to fly around on a helicopter just through those mountains and oh. just... Sometimes you forget that they're paying you because it's work. Because you're, <laughs> I knew you just, it. I knew it doors are stuff. off the helicopter. Doors are off. You're just flying through the valleys. And we had a Vietnam vet helicopter pilot when I worked humble, and that guy was crazy. And he would just like dip down into the river valleys. He's like, "Come on, boys!" <laughs> and he just, just crazy stuff. Um, but yeah, it's beautiful. But the thing is, is everywhere you grow pot isn't where you can drive. And the reason we had to take a helicopter was because it was out in the middle of BFE. And so not you couldn't always land where the pot was. A lot of times they would kind of spot it for you. And then they'd fly seven miles across the valley to a flat rock and drop you off and then fly back to the pot and go, go this way. We'll be back in 30 minutes. And you just kind of had to walk in that general direction until they came back. So it wasn't all easy, but it was, that was half to me after being in the military, that was half the fun was how hard it was because they were trying to hide it. We were trying to find it. Yeah. So, I mean, just straight up with my black market days or the people's market days, you know, traditional market, market, you know, Uh, one of the things for me, too, was it just always felt like a cat and mouse game. And we've heard that continuously. And like, I thought that was a lot of fun. It's nice to hear people on the other side were having as much fun as we were in some respects. Just like. We knew that we weren't getting it all. So Uh, all you can do is... Not even close. Not even close. Not even close. Um, I mean, I've been on a... 
a 6,500 plant day. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Um, that was a place uh, on the way to Willow Creek, out 299. And it was a fake house. The house was built, two-story house, no floor. Um, <laughs> they were growing in the floor. They had fake cars in the driveway. They had kids play stuff in the back. No one had ever lived there. It was just a grow. And then they had about 3,000 plants that were seedlings. Um, but they count. Everything with a root and a leaf is, is a plant. Um, and we just, there was 60, 63, 85, 6,500, something like that, that day. <laughs> it's so funny, but, <laughs> you, but no arrests. No, um, not that I know of. Cause we only did the field work. We weren't, we were essentially deputized. Um, so we could assist. And if they said, get that guy. We were instantly deputized for a small arrest, but we weren't law enforcement. So we couldn't do a lot of like the search warrant work. We were just kind of helpers that were on their side. Because huh. there's a fuzzy line with military and law enforcement, even if it's National Guard, which are state, not federal troopers. So there was a lot of you guys don't get the you guys don't go over here and we just hang out in the driveway. If you hear someone run and give us a holler. <laughs> but we couldn't like go like you weren't supposed to go in a house there was like certain things that we couldn't do because we weren't sworn law enforcement officers we were the governor's soldiers doing support were you in fatigues yes i was in full military uniform so there was like a psychological element to what you guys were doing too we never saw anybody huh we were in the woods all the time we met at the remote Wherever the county did their pot, wherever they have their detectives or their, their, their eradication guides, we would go to their remote place. We would meet, we would plan, we'd drive, we'd meet the helicopter. We'd either drive. Sometimes we wouldn't even have a helicopter because these were places you could drive to and just go get. Um, and we, again, I, I was on three, I was at three arrests and out of, six months of being five days a week. Hmm. I, I, we just didn't see people. Uh, they didn't want to see us. No. No, <laughs> I felt not. really bad. There was this one time we, we went into a garden and it was either Mendocino or Humboldt. I think it was Mendo. And we found the guy's dirt bike in the garden and he took off running. Well, we eradicated all this pot and took all the generator and shit and put his dirt bike in the pile put it in the net and we're like, dude, you should come. <laughs> we're taking your dirt bike. We're like eight miles from the road. Uh, and you could just hear him running through the mountains. And we're like, ah, I'm not even going to chase him. We just took his shit and left. Oh man. man. <laughs> so, I, so bet, I, mean, I bet somewhere right now, if he's still around, he's, he might be being like, and they took my fucking dirt bike. guys. <laughs> And we so, found like mail with his name on it, and they ran the. Van. I mean, we never went to the arrest, but once in a while, the guys like if you leave mail. Yeah. So when yeah, you don't be dumb. Yeah. But so uh, you're saying that you are taking all of his generators and his dirt bikes and stuff like that. Is it basically you know even with helicopters, you're impounding all of this stuff. You're collecting all of this like 
basically farm all of the infrastructure yeah all the infrastructure that was used in use of we would seize did you guys get to be like hey i got a new dirt bike <laughs> no, um the each county that we worked for has yeah. their own asset seizure and and things and we would leave notes like if you believe that you have your property has been seized in error please contact the mendocino county sheriff's department <laughs> Or uh, they would tell us they'd get calls. Hey, uh, were you guys out like fucking Bell Springs Road? Or were you guys out here a couple days ago? And did you find like this equipment? And he goes, uh, yeah, you want to come pick it up? Click. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. that's I, I could tell just at least from, you know, the traditional market side, you know, when things go missing and you're like, wait, was that... Or was that somebody robbing me? Which way did I right. get robbed? So it's always nice to be like, okay, at if least it was all there. your shit's gone and it's clean, the cops did it. If your shit's just trashed, man, you got robbed. Because <laughs> <laughs> we had to we had to take everything. Um, we worked down in Big Sur one I like for a weekend. Uh, I was working down in the um Santa Cruz area and we went down there to the state park and we had to eradicate all sign of human occupancy. And that was a long day because someone was growing in the park. And so we had to like restore the park to take, and they were hanging cotton balls with deer repellent on twist ties everywhere. And we had to like go harvest all those, go pick up. I wish we could have put a camera there because someone left like 50 pots and had plants there and they came back the next time and the only thing that was there were the trails and the empty spots where everything had been there wasn't a fucking uh, a wrapper <laughs> an empty bucket or an inch of plastic line left we took everything out of there if it if it's cathartic for you at all um i have an experience that's similar to that where um i had to break down a grow room very quickly at a house <laughs> And the, and the owner came home and was like, okay, so what are we going to do about the grow room? And I was like, what grow room? And they opened up the door to the double car garage and they're like, this was just here two days ago. What the hell happened? What grow room? What grow room? What are you talking about? Oh, fuck. That's awesome. So it's a great face. I'll tell you, you missed out on the shock and amazed face. So we did get to see someone faint once. Um, we did an early morning. They wanted to do it. was one of the few arrests I got to see. We had all crept into this garden at like 3.30 in the morning. And we're talking uh, bone mics and throat bone speakers and throat mics where you can whisper and no one can hear you. And we're camouflaged to the nines and we're laying in this guy's garden. And, and they had been trail camera and they knew what days he was coming in. And so there's like six of us laying in this guy's garden. Sun comes up. Do, 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 do. Hi girls. How's it going? Dun, 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 dun. And you hear three, two, <laughs> One. Sheriff Department, don't move. Boom. And he just down to the ground. Out. Passed out. I you know what? That would startle me. Yeah. <laughs> if like six men with guns jumped out of the middle of the night and, and or the like first light and uh started yelling. 
So it was uh, I'd never seen that happen before. That was kind of <laughs> kind of funny. That's, that seems fairly involved and a lot of tech. Was there a reason why you treated that specific person? No, that that's just the stuff that we have. Because when you're on quads or when you're doing surveillance, you already have that kind of stuff. But we were, I mean, it just helps when you're when you're laying there if you have all the gear. Yeah, yeah. No, but so, yeah. well, if you have it, then why not? I think is what you're saying. Yeah, that's what we have it. That's the point yeah, because yeah. we do stuff like that. But but for most of the so you're saying that you've only been to five arrests or involved. I'd in say five max. Now, how many grows have you busted in that time though? Um, multiples a day. Whoa. Ugh. Um. I uh, thousands of tens of thousands of plants. Let's put it that way. So there was really no like express need to actually arrest the people. It was more about getting the grows and getting that type of stuff. And these were only big grows. All these grows were usually a hundred plants or more. Mm. Um, these were mom and pop. We walked, we would, we were walking through little towns in Southern Humboldt and, and, and Northern Mendocino getting sodas from the liquor store. And you could see three plants in the dude's backyard as we're walking by. <laughs> and they were just laughing. I mean, I'm sitting on 500 plants in the back of a, bed, a truck. We're not going to bother pulling those three plants. It wasn't worth the work for them because there were people clear cutting forest and pouring fucking poison in the ground. And it was pretty much my hippie self that was got me onto it because we only went after big grows when we did pot. And then the rest of the year we went after meth. Um, and, and, and so we were, to me, it was keeping people from, exploiting resources or poisoning the freaking area and committing a felony to make money. Not that I have ever been anti-drug in my life. Did, um, you, smoke, was, did you smoke while you were a, a part of it? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long pause. That was a long pause. Um, twice. Yeah, twice. It, twice. Um, that was it. <laughs> Two different times. Yeah. So and I I'm, could, and I had a get out of jail free card. We had letters that said that we couldn't be busted for piss tests because they don't understand how pot works. And they thought that being around it would, like, <laughs> that, or, or, or carrying it would make you hot. Uh, and you didn't want to get by the fire because we put diesel on it. And so that would give you a headache. But we had get out of jail free cards. And so it was just hilarious. But oh no, it, it wasn't rampant. Um, there weren't a bunch of guys doing pot. There weren't a bunch of guys like stealing it and selling it. There was not that I ever saw. And I hung out with the more relaxed end of the crowd. But uh, uh, yeah, I smoked twice with a friend and that was it. Um, in fact, uh, <laughs> Red, Redbeard's dad <laughs> used to grow. <laughs> that checks out. And, and I went over there when he was growing and he about crapped himself one day. And I'm like, dude, I'm off. It's Saturday. I don't give a fuck what you do. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm off the clock. I just don't care. And you should move that. You're not facing south and getting enough sun. <laughs> You're helping him with it. Being like, I'm most oh, of I see. It was, I it was hilarious because he had four little garden greenhouses 
three of them had clear plastic over them and one of them had white plastic over it and he was showing me all the herbs and the other three and you could just see that big pointy hand pushed up against the plastic <laughs> and like, are you using fish oil are you using bat guano you need more sun <laughs> he's like what are you talking about i'm like dude i do this for a living i'm not a clown <laughs> i know what this is <laughs> yeah i don't care Shit, nobody cares. Let's not humble. So, what what do you feel uh, like? So, you mentioned the people who were doing large grows and doing impactful things to the environment, destroying it, which I think safely everybody can say that we're against that. Anybody destroying fish habitats and hatcheries and stuff like that, I don't think there's a person alive who would be against it. as far as the five people that you were there for a bust, were any of them being like, ah, man, this seems like a chill dude. This kind of sucks. Was there any of that? No, no. Cause they were also knowingly committing some serious felonies. Um, and I had just spent seven years in the military. I'd been in the infantry. I, then I'd been a military policeman. So I kind of was a black and white back then. And if you know, you're committing a felony, that's part of the game. It's kind of like running moonshine or doing anything else illicit. You know it's illegal when you get up in the morning. So I, I don't feel sorry for them. Uh, and that's why we didn't go after, that's the other reason. They just don't go after backyard growers. They don't go after, like seriously, if it, Humboldt was like, if it's under 100 plants, we're not going to waste our time. Yeah. There's so much more pot to go after. Without a doubt. I mean, there. Yeah. I have a friend who ended up doing five years in federal prison, and I asked <laughs> him about it. I was like, hey, man, now that's legal. How do you feel about it? And he was like, well, the money I was making wasn't legal. So, uh, like, you know, in his mind, he realized what he was doing. He realized what he was getting himself into and kind of made peace with that at the same time. And, and, and it's a lot of money. <laughs> Back in the day. It was a lot of money back in the 90s. It wasn't. Well, that's what we talked to people, especially this one older lady. She was crazy, not crazy, but she was like awesome. Um, uh, she would come in and just say stuff, then leave. It was one of my favorite interviews, but she would just drop these, <laughs> just these, these dimes of like dimes of great information and knowledge and then she was out doing something else (laughs) but what she kept talking about was like there was like a change and i forget when but she was like when they started you started seeing diesel trucks bringing in tons of diesel gas to these big rows real far and deep and she was like and they would fuck up our roads and this stuff and that's when you were just like oh because you could see you know no one liked you guys buzzing their farms and shit but also but nobody wants someone clear cutting 50 acres yeah and fucking destroying your area bringing a bunch of -of out-of-towners into work and just and usually when it was that size in the 90s man it was not corporate backed i mean the bigger the grows they were that's well, when we started a, it had a corporate structure it just wasn't <laughs> yeah it did have a corporate structure but just not life no llc's yes yes uh, it was definitely a whole different type of 
corporate to there say was the that. hierarchy yeah. there was definitely a hierarchy yes there was definitely hierarchy and we weren't interested in entry-level workers no because they weren't going to do anything for us so was it cartels even then there so we in in mendo southern humboldt right before 215 so 96 97 um i think it was when it was they uh we started seeing more undocumented uh, garden workers, and we started finding uh, like M16s and rifles and stuff in gardens. Um, it definitely changed from when we first started, because when I first started, it was kind of like playing hide-and-go-seek with high-scale hippies. I mean, it was there. You never found anybody. There was they. There, they weren't going to put up a fight because that you, if you got one guy's garden, you weren't getting everybody else's, or you probably weren't getting all their gardens. So they just took the loss. My last year, we started finding guns in gardens. Um, not necessarily people, but definitely assault rifle like M16s and, and crazy shit and uh, many 14s and stuff and rifles, more pistols, more and more definitely undocumented grows not the three guys from fucking san jose who come up for trim season but it was definitely a different uh workforce and we treated it different too uh my last year we went to like we, we started wearing vests and started just being a little bit more aware that it wasn't the same thing that had been going on yeah so i mean that that has to be a drastic shift from being like, oh, we're playing hide and go seek with some people. And now this is getting real serious. Yeah. Um, and then and then it makes you like you're like, fuck, this isn't <laughs> this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't want to die over this. <laughs> Y'all, th- yeah, no, that's exactly pot, Y'all, this man. is a plant. This is a plant. Yeah. Not for pot. Not for pot. Yeah. I, I was not interested in a firefight for pot. one of the things i think was interesting you kind of said it earlier but you said that you know the group of guys you were working with were like kind of chill um it in the different groups of camp were there more people who are very serious about it as far as like i'm fighting against the devil's lettuce (laughs) there is definitely a conservative slant against marijuana. Um, and so in the military, you tend to see more conservative people. And so some of my friends were really, they were, they really were like pots, the de- like not the devil, but this needs to be done. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, it's fucking pot. You obviously have never smoked. <laughs> uh, so that's exactly it. So it's like, oh, you've never smoked this. Yeah, I mean, this. That's- and, and and it was funny because, like, I met this girl and her parents grew, had grown, and they were like, "How do you sleep? How do you go to bed at night?" I'm like, "Fucking, I'm tired at the end of the day," because again, felons, like hardcore felons, we were not going after five plants with the fucking tie-dye flag out front we were doing people that were making their living committing a felony and that and unfortunately law law enforcement is capital enforcement and so they weren't paying their taxes so the state was mad i mean 
I have a different opinion about it now. <laughs> but uh, I, I definitely was thought we were in the right what we were doing. Um, and again, it's, it was against the law, so technically we were right in what we were doing. Um, but I, 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 the, I now work for a friend who has a legal grow, and it's kind of hilarious that I helped her harvest one year this year, and I was like. It's kind of funny getting paid to cut down plants and have to be careful with them. <laughs> <laughs> is, so anybody, yeah, it, is anybody ever weirded out uh, at the grove? Um, tell them it's one of my favorite. I try to tell that story the first couple of weeks if I when I'm up there if I know people just so that it doesn't come up later. Uh, <laughs> I, but it's I like seeing people's eyes and I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure I fucking harvested up here in the '90s. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, we landed. We didn't drive in. We landed in. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it, it, the because I normally when I work for her, I, I tended to not do direct pot stuff because um, my my girlfriend works for the state, um, and so I was just try, we were trying to keep. I, I would do how I'd help her build houses and do stuff, but now I just. I, like I went down there, I harvest, I plant, I fucking, I don't trim. Um, that's not my gig. I'd rather drive the tractor and, and same thing with build me, shit. man. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, people dig that and people really love that money and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I can make money from her all year. I don't need to be in the room. And plus with COVID this summer, I did not want to be in any kind of group activity. So I did all my work outside for her this summer. <laughs> yeah that's smart but so we you said that you know your thoughts have changed what do you think is the most nuanced part that has changed since doing camp because it sounds like even with camp you weren't really against cannabis you weren't against no oh god no no so, no i've so never like, been against cannabis yeah so what, um, what what's the fundamental parts of you that have changed since doing that job to now um I look at law enforcement differently. Um, if you can get away with something with a fine, then you're really just punishing people that can't afford to pay for it. And I just seem that law enforcement really has become a tool that isn't about making things better for people, but making things for other people. And I just kind of have lost my, it's lost its shine. And obviously this last year, it's really made me look at the rest of my compatriots because I like to think that I was a nice guy, <laughs> but motherfuckers are, are, are doing some wrong shit. And I just, I, I can't, I stopped defending cops this year. Um, and I was, I was never a civilian policeman, but I did active duty and national guard military police. I mean, I was an undercover narcotics enforcement. That's pretty copy. Um, I did, I worked the road when I was on active duty at Fort Bragg. I've done cop stuff. But I don't I don't defend cops anymore because with all the stuff that's going on, the fact that they're not fixing, they're, they're still doing the same shit. It's beyond anything that can be defended. No. And so I just I think that's my problem just from like as someone that studies like, you know, um, organizations and especially like military and things like that is like the military's whole thing is making it function better constantly. And that's what the police 
are act like I think that's my problem is like it's tough to defend you guys, not not you, but like the cops. Right. Right. When you're not actively trying to get better, when you're telling us to fuck off, you do with, that yeah. doesn't make us have a... That, that sucks. Because everything you do in the army, you review when you're done, and you try to do it better the next time. And if you're making lethal failure, <laughs> you really reevaluate what you're doing and, and just... And it's, it's just to see it and, and, and see I'm not doing anything about it is really just makes me want to disassociate myself from it. Mm. Do you think that you went about your job in camp differently than maybe some other people because you were from that community since you were from McKinleyville and you know um, yeah. people like that? I, like I, you I, yeah, I, but it's also just because when you grow up up there, are you – and you guys talked about this a lot when you talked to Redbeard. Everybody knows everybody and everybody it's really community. You don't you don't want to crap that guy's house out doing a search warrant because you know that guy. That guy's kids goes to school with your kids. And so the law enforcement mentality up there at the time was don't be a douchebag. And so I, I think the groups that I happened to work with and, and the pot cops that I worked with were all pretty compassionate. They were, they weren't like Gestapo douchebags. You know what I mean? They weren't DEA. These guys were just, a lot of them were doing the job because it was available. I mean, if you think about prohibition, those guys weren't anti-alcohol, but it had been deemed illegal. And so there are people who believe that that's a law worth upholding if it's been voted on and passed. No. They're more systemic people than trying to parse out each law to see if it jives with them. They're just like, okay, if you have to believe in the system, you've got to take all the system. With inside of the group, what did you guys think that about the fact that there was a radio station calling you guys out regularly <laughs> and being so like, it was hilarious to us. Yeah, we, it is awesome. <laughs> um, That's awesome. We would do. We would play like the wave game when we're driving up these little one lane dirt roads up into the Southern Humboldt and stuff. We would just. We had unmarked uh, old seventy Dodge pickups that were just like monochrome painted by prisoners. They were just hilarious cars, and so we would drive up the hill, and everybody knows everybody up those hills. And so we would wave and just see how many people and like we'd be in a convoy of four trucks. So everybody in the truck would wave at the guy on the way down. And half the time we'd have guys in, in like raid gear in the back. Or if we were going down the mountain, we'd have pickups full of pot and we're sitting up on the pot and we'd wave and they'd wave and then they'd look behind and see what we're sitting on. They're Fuck you, <laughs> We'd count to see who could get the most waves. And I mean, we knew that we, again, we knew that we were absolutely outgunned, outcommunicated. Um, everybody, we listened to K-Mud. If you, I mean, if you don't think we weren't listening to it in the trucks, then you don't appreciate the fact that we understand Intel just as well. So yeah, we were listening to K, to K-Hum and K-Mud and all that crap and listening to what they were saying about us. And what was funny is they kept saying black helicopters and we had like a green helicopter, like forest green, not even army green. And then like a blue and white striped one. And I'm like, is that just code for cop or are they colorblind? Cause they're <laughs> <laughs> and, and also during the time 
there was a agreement that you wouldn't fly under like say 500 and don't these aren't quotes these are but these are estimates you wouldn't fly under so many hundred feet unless you were actively approaching or leaving and if you were surveilling you would stay above a thousand and all of the people that i worked with were really good about not flying over you know not flying over the housing areas not not lingering if they didn't have to and and coming back up to 2,500 or whatever the, the the ceiling appropriate for travel was because at the end of the day, it was hard work. <laughs> and so you didn't want to do it for nothing. And, so, and again, the it wasn't like it was an ideological, we hate these people. This was like, we're doing a job and the, har- and the worse we do it, the harder it is to do it effectively and do it efficiently. So it really was... I mean, I'm not going to say we were the nicest people in the world. We were taking all their stuff. Uh, I was working there the summer Jerry Garcia died and people were like flipping us off. And I'm like, dude, first we stole all your pot. Now Jer Bear's dead. You guys are having a hard time. And like, if you're going to put me off, I'm going to beat a hole back. But I mean, for the most part, why? Why be an asshole if you don't have to? I mean, that was just, it just makes everything you do worse. Well, and I mean, that's a, great, that, that's a great mentality to happen because, you know, some of the people that we've interviewed, you know, they have like horror stories of camp people almost like crippling their horses, flipping off their young daughter and stuff like that. So like some of that is like, why, man? So it's nice to hear from somebody who may not have had that feeling as part of doing this. No. Um, and I went back and read some of the post 215 camp reports and I was like, Oh my God, what, what happened? Cause it definitely changed flavor after I got out. I think after the, two, after like the early two thousands, uh, they got a worse reputation than when we were doing it. Really? Um, and I don't know what was, cause I was out of the military I was disconnected from that group completely. And so I just, when I, a few years ago, I was just on the internet looking up stuff and I found like an old camp report and I'm like, Hey, I wonder if I'm in one of these and I found myself. And, and so then I started reading other like rabbit hole down reports and I'm like, Oh, 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 camp got like, like did some heinous things and had a lot of complaints against them. And, and that was way after my time. And I, I, I have no idea what changed. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's insane for it to get to that level, you know, especially with the way that, you know, you feel and talk about it, too. It's just a plant. It's just a job type of thing. So, I mean, that's hard I to mean, think the, of. The worst thing, like some of the cops were just frustrated that these people were like messing up their air because they're. When you, you, if you rent a house and you turn it into a grow, you're not really polite to it. You know what I mean? Floors get ruined. And then it's, it drives up the cost of housing in the area. So I understand why some of the local cops have such a problem with it um, because of the way it affects their community, the way, the things that it does. But I, I don't think any of them have any ideological problem with smoking pot. It's just, it was that downfall from it being illegal and when you have an illegal operation, you're going to have detritus around it that's that you don't want. No, without a doubt. Because <laughs> well, it so- also sounds like, and we've we've talked to a lot of really 
cool growers in Southern Humboldt, and we're going back up as soon as COVID kind of chills the fuck out. Um, but what we've and it kind of tracks with what you said too is that even you guys that grew up there, you understand, like, you understand that there's a community to this. And we're not fucking with these people that are aren't getting like that aren't trying to get rich that are just taking care of this lifestyle and this homesteader kind of mentality. And we've they've found this kind of side cash crop that they can also grow that helps the overhead with everything else. And you guys were like kept money in Humboldt County for a long time. Exactly. So, and then these how other, do you make it worse? And then these other people came in, were trying to get crazy rich real fast and just fortune. Like, yeah, I mean, it sounds like they're coal barons, is what it sounds like. Yes, who, yeah, you know, they did yeah. the same thing. It's Coming in and clear cutting everything because they don't care because in 20 years it won't be their problem, or in five years it won't be their problem because they've gone in, turned it like a hundred times their money and they're out. Yeah. Yeah. And that happens really quick in cannabis. But so what oh, yeah. uh, really quick, though. So uh, what time period were you in camp then? It's the I'm going to say 90 uh, between 94, 97, 95, 97, 95, 6, 7, I think is the three years I worked. Were, were there any guys there from like way earlier? Because like, like, did you know any guys at that time who were doing it, like, in the 80s and stuff like that? Like, um, the, no. Viet, the, the helicopter um, pilot or the helicopter so, pilot? The helicopter pilots were rentals. Like, they were contracted. They weren't cops and they weren't military pilots. They were contracted to do this work because they were longlining and, and, and hauling cable and doing surveillance. Um, and so they were just civilian pilots that had been contracted by the department of Ju the California department of justice uh, to do this. Cause camp fell under the California department of justice. Cause it was a state program. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, what do you think? Because like I said, we've interviewed tons of people who have stories about camp, you know, growing up on the other side. What do you think you would like them to know about it from your perspective and from what you were doing. Cause you know, I'll be honest. Some of these people do have really bad memories and really bad. Yeah, stuff. they do. It's so, been fascinating. Yeah. They see, I, and you're just... I mean, one of the guys, the, the guy that's the gardener for this lady that I work with, he's been arrested a couple of times and we have, sat down and smoked a couple bowls and had some like deep conversations about the different sides because he got busted down in Southern California and it was a different, completely different experience. Been busted down South, been busted up North. And he's like, I'll get arrested up North all day long. He's like, that's fine. They treat you like a human. He's like getting arrested down South Central Valley is kind of a nightmare. Uh, and so, yeah, it just, we didn't, for me, again, I think appreciating the fact that we knew we were just scratching the surface and that we thought it was the same game of hide and go seek. Um, and that when we had to crawl on our hands and knees through the manzanita, through a rabbit trail to get from plant to plant that was like 20 feet apart, 
yeah, we cussed them because we know that they made it as absolutely hard for us to do as they could. You know what I mean? You, you make it hard for them to find. You make it hard for them to get to. Maybe they'll miss one. Well, that just made us look harder. Because <laughs> seriously, it was just part of the game. Yeah, yeah. No, without a doubt. And like I said, I felt that immediately too. I mean, at least in my years of doing it, of being like, oh, did you hear this is how they're going around and busting people? And it's like, oh, okay. So how can we figure out a way around that? <laughs> and so like, I mean, it was crazy. You, There's some good effort. I mean, you know what I mean? It was, there was a lot of camouflage effort. And then a lot of it was just disbursement. Pray they can't find it all. How many pot plants do you think you flew over regularly that you had no idea about? I have no idea. We were <laughs> flying over in Humboldt, Northern Mendocino. Um, it, in certain, it, like if it's outdoor grow and it's and you can see it in the sun, it's a different color green because it's not from that forest. It, it's the it's the same color as a madrone leaf but it grows like a tropical plant. So it sticks out. It really is easy to see from the air. So we were really good about finding it. Um, they used to run satellite and Ute and uh, Air National Guard photo reconnaissance up and down the coast. And then they have analysts sit down and look for it. And then they would send that information. <laughs> it is insane the level of engagement that they put in looking for big outdoor grows. How expensive fact, do you think that was? It's not that. They're already it's, doing it's, a tra- it's a training flight. Those yeah. guys need to fly and film something because they're Air National Guard photo reconnaissance. They have to do something. So this was just a way for them to work within the state and do something that they're trained to do. It's already in the budget. We gotta, might as well do it. And, and so now it's, it's funny. Uh, at my friend's garden, she's like I said, she's got all the permits in. She's legal. She's just finishing a few other things. And now she's like, oh, yeah, the drones fly over. Because they do all drone reconnaissance now instead of guys in helicopters and guys in airplanes. And she's like, you know what? They fly over and they never. They just fly around our property and because kind of, they've got their permits in and they're doing everything. It's just, it's just, it's a, it's different to be, to see how it's changed. I mean, just how accepted it is. And I'm glad that we were stopped wasting money. I, I even when I was on, if, if I was, if I was in a garden arresting you and you asked me what I thought about it, I thought that we should quit fucking around, regulate it. And all the money that we spent fuck, fight, I'm sorry, all the money that we spent fighting it, we should just tax and use as state revenue. I've, always been a proponent because there's no reason that pot should have been illegal when alcohol was legal at the time. Amen. So I just, I kind of, even when I was doing it, felt that we were, it was a waste, but, uh, and have always been a proponent of it being legal and ta- like tax it like tobacco. I mean, well, there's examples of how to tax it and make money off of it and still let it be. <laughs> Can I, like when you were messing, like you said, you messed with math too. Like, when you went and messed with the math people, it was like, was there an element of danger that you knew going in when you were messing with it that you didn't? So the math stuff that we did was mostly long range surveillance. We would, they would like the LA County would give us a, a tip that somebody was going to cook over the weekend. And they're like, Hey, you guys watch this house. 
um, mm. with a thermal site, but will you watch this house? And so mm. we would just sit off in a clandestine spot and watch it. And if it ever, and we recorded vehicles going in and out. And if it ever heat bloomed, we'd call. But as long as cars were just going out, we sat there for a month one time and nothing happened. And then other times you sit there and they're like, hey, come help us. And like you would go and do surveillance. You would do, if they were going to do a raid on a meth lab, we would do perimeter security. Because again, we didn't necessarily have to go all the way in. We just helped them with manpower, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other drugs, like drug trafficking across the border. Um, if you were walking across the border and didn't have a backpack, we didn't call border patrol because that wasn't our job. Immigration wasn't our job. We were absolute. I'm half Mexican. I was not going <laughs> to narc people crossing the border. Um, but I definitely, if I saw five guys with backpacks, was going to call somebody to come get them because that's when they're trucking pounds of meth and pounds of heroin pounds of if they're bringing pot over they're stupid and deserve to get arrested <laughs> i'm offended <laughs> man yeah. uh, tony thank you so much for your time man this has been that was my pleasure it was yeah when matt asked me he's like hey would you be interested i'm all man yeah absolutely because i i think it might be surprising to hear how it wasn't like we felt we were trying to save the world. You know what I mean? We just, you're doing something wrong and you know it's wrong. And hey, we're here to make sure you know you can get caught. Because otherwise, what's the point of it being illegal? Hmm. It's never been, I, the guys I worked with, mostly it's, it was never ideological. It was just, it, again, especially the guys I worked with, it was a job and it was fun. And so it was something to do. It's kind of like if you think about the untouchables. You don't think any of those guys busting stills went to the bar and drank? Oh, all of them. Like, I know. Yeah. And so my, it, my it, uncle was in the Air Force and he was like this dude I was he was he was in a he was a firefighter in the Air Force. He was like in this dude that I was real good buddies with. He's like we did all kinds of drugs together. <laughs> He was like, he went and he worked for the DEA in Miami. And I was like, did he stop doing drugs? Yeah. He's like, no, I think he did more drugs. Oh, and I was like, yeah, See, probably. So I didn't take advantage of it because I would have felt like a hypocrite. I mean, I smoked right after I quit doing that job. I'm not going to lie. I got laid off on Halloween and I was high that night. <laughs> uh, I, I drove from Sacramento area back to Humboldt, back to Eureka, and I went out fucking Halloween party and got high. I'm like, fuck these guys. <laughs> I'm working for the other side. I, and I said, <laughs> but, but here I am. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, there's a, detect a former detective in Nashville. I was the first person he got stoned with when he retired. Nice. And as he passed me the bowl, he was like, and I was hitting it, and he was like, what if this was just all a big setup? And I was like, well, then let me finish this bowl before we go to bed. <laughs> Don't fucking harsh my buzz yet, man. Yeah. Let me fucking finish this. Let Don't. me finish it, and then we go to jail. I like to be stoned. There we go. Me, and <laughs> and he's maybe he's like, I knew I picked the right person. <laughs> nice. Thank you so much, Tony. Thank you. That was awesome. I told you.
This is so good. And we are going to hang with him. We're definitely hanging with him. Because later on, we find out as soon as the interview is done, he was an extra in the movie Outbreak. Which yeah. hardcore 2020 vibes right now. And uh, yeah, Ferndale, one of our favorite places in Humboldt, filmed there, that beautiful little town. And yeah, so we're going to be hanging out with him. He's got movie credits. Yeah, he's got big time movie credits. Uh, he made good money too, is what he said on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it's, I'm not mad at him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Very much. Like, so. I don't know. I could, I could, I think my thing is like, I could see where if things, if cards fell two or three different ways for me, I could easily end up in a helicopter looking for stuff I don't necessarily believe in do you know what i mean absolutely and i mean at a larger scale of it we've been talking this entire season about community and for better or for worse community is a lot of times very small subgroups in a larger community and he for sure was a part of that community i mean he's still a part of it he's a part of you know mckinleyville and family on both sides of the tracks and everything as far as you know cannabis growing so i mean it's community it's the people we live with even if we're like ah you got a job doing that i got a job doing the opposite well, it's like he said too. It's like the it shouldn't be the opposite. It should be doing what they were, you know. Ideally, what they're doing is like eradicating the people that are doing it uh, bad. You know, like fucking up the environment and doing it to make up a ton of money. Do you know what I'm? It's just like you know, like we're protecting that. agriculture does right now anyway with exactly legal backing. Exactly. Exactly. So like I just think if the police get back to what their main gig was, which is taking care of the community, you know, everything works better that way instead mm. of like, you know, but guys, we digress. Uh, check out our on. It's really it's it's fucking kicking off right now. Justin's growing with us. It's about to this. We're cleaning out our spaces. We're getting ready for the tent build. Everybody's getting their equipment. I'm so ready. It's crazy. So um, also, Mike's gonna do a new dime bag about the CBD pillow this week. It's uh, a, I really enjoy it because. Slee sent us a picture of a CBD pillow. He's like, ha ha, this is funny. And then I just drop a bunch of knowledge on it. And it's like, yeah, even if you're buying it from TJ Maxx, it's got tons of knowledge on how CBD so, and pillows works. Uh, give me a CBD pillow. For, I hope Santa brings me one. Uh, Santa bring me a CBD pillow. You guys, <laughs> we love you so much. Grow your own. Uh, follow us on uh twitter or instagram it's all in the details there on your little podcast station also hit us up at grown local pod at gmail.com if you want to advertise with us or have any questions we love you we love slee the most grow your own you guys merry christmas <laughs> <laughs>